Hello and welcome back to the Zenden. I apologize for the radio silence over the last couple of weeks. It might even be a month since the last podcast. I'll delve into why it's been so long, but for the podcast ahead, uh, we're going to be looking at maximizing productivity, touch on sleep, uh, focus, exercising, food intake, light exposure, and, and sort of just delve into each of those topics, my personal experience in those topics, things that I've learned. So yeah, I'm pretty excited to get stuck into that. I've been sort of working away in the background, just you know, listening to podcasts, reading reviews. Um, there's just, it's amazing how much information is, is out there if, if you really want to have a look at topics in depth. So if you have a look down in the description of this podcast, I'll I'll put a time capsule of um, when I touch on these topics just to make it easier to filter through if you want to listen to something in particular. Uh, Before we get stuck into it, I just wanted to give a a brief update on sort of my personal roles, responsibilities and and hobbies, I guess. So uh, end of last year, I got into the crypto space, uh, just trading and and obviously learning the sphere, which is never ending. But I think it was in maybe February, end of February, I um, I got a job with EOS Starter. So EOS Starter is um, a launchpad slash incubator built on the EOS mainnet. So I guess you could look at EOS Starter as like a finance company. Uh, my role there initially was the community manager. So building an online presence and also sort of doing some marketing roles and sort of cross-promo cross with, with other companies out there. So that was great, really enjoyed it. Learned heaps, uh, recently changed my position there as Project Hunter. So that's been really good. And, and in the meantime, I also got a job at Crypto Rider. So Crypto Rider is more of a publication company. So they have you know blogs, podcasts, live streams, um, a lot of articles, and in particular, my role in this in this company here is um, delving into the NFT uh, project called Finney's World. So NFT, non-fungible token, in short, uh, digital art. Pretty, uh, pretty crazy space, the NFT, like I'm sort of still wrapping my head around it. Um, you know, we talk about a volatile market in, in crypto, and I, I personally think that the NFTs are even more so. So aside for that, I've also sort of freelanced a couple of jobs. So I'm working on um, two two NFT projects, two different roles. One of them as like a COO. Um, start, it's sort of my own own one with another good friend of mine that I met through the space. And then another one, sort of more of a, the tech side of it, if you will. So developing smart contracts, uh, gamification and so, look, it's been extraordinary couple of months of, of learning, and honestly, like it feels like it's a <laughs> feels like it's a new job almost every day, if not every week. The only difference is that you're working with similar people. So, in the at the moment, I'm sort of in the process of like taste, test, and trust. If we if we look at those three things, I'm sort of testing the environment testing the workplace testing the people that i'm that i'm dealing with does it work does this work for me so uh it's it's been extraordinary so as you can imagine imagine that sort of takes up a bit of time um 
you know, some of these projects, the main team of them is in the Northern Hemisphere. So, you know, late nights, early mornings. Um, fortunately enough, the, the Crypto Rider team is based in Australia. Now, aside from, from, from crypto work, um, you know, we're obviously looking at maintaining and, and enjoying more, more sort of the point family relationships, friends, and, and if you have a partner as well. So, you know, you never want to skip out on any of this sort of social activity. It's, it's integral and in particular, you know, if you're living in, in Melbourne or Australia during these last 18 months, I think it's been pretty obvious to, to everyone involved just how critical those those relationships are. I also have a dog. Many of you know Jax. He, as beautiful as he is, he's a high-maintenance man. He um, he craves walks, craves attention, and, and he lets me know about it if, if we haven't done enough uh, together for the day. So, you know, he's great. I also absolutely love uh, being in the garden. Being in the garden is sort of like my happy place. I'm in there, I'm going to say every day, sometimes multiple times a day. <laughs> I'll actually quickly run through what I'm growing at the moment because it just brings me a lot of joy. Uh, if we look at trees, um, almond, olive, fijawa, lime, blood orange, couple of passion fruits, chili, pomegranate, couple of cherry trees, two nectarine trees, peach, mandarin, apricot, plum, jalapenos, fig, and of course a lemon tree. Um, and then the seasonal stuff that's going on at the moment is pumpkin, zucchini, tomatoes, lots of tomatoes, uh, cucumber, capsicum. Um, that's all I can think of off the top of my head. But anyway, you could imagine there's there's a bit going on there, so it doesn't really feel like a chore or a work because I really do enjoy being in there. Uh, I actually have an Instagram page if you want to check that out just for the garden. It's it's Mitzo's Garden. Um, so I post a few things, a um, few learnings in there that I've come across. I also love body movement and just flowing and, and moving, and it's something that I really enjoy doing and, again, just a hobby that I I really enjoy doing it's sometimes there's structure and things that I want to work on things that I've noticed during the day you know with my posture or the way I see my body moving through space but other times like I'm just moving just flowing and, and just ridding of any tension in the body and, and and that's fantastic for me so the main exercise that I do is DNS dynamic neuromuscular stabilization and Tai Chi now, if we sort of funnel all that in, um, and the purpose of this podcast is I consistently run personal experiments, and you know these range from diet or food intake, uh, sleep, exercise, light exposure. So, you know, we wrap all those things up, and it's like I kind of want to share just things that I've come across. It's not necessarily going to suit everybody. Of course, everyone's different. But the beauty about this is like it's just trial and error. Like you, you never know things unless you, you try them. So uh, I find myself continually trying new things with my body, and and I thought, you know what, I'll just jot a few things down, and if something comes of it, um, then that's just sort of an added bonus. So here we are. 
So I'll jump into the the crux of the of the podcast. It's a pretty big intro now that I look at the time. <laughs> so I don't sleep with my blinds shut. A few reasons behind that, but the main one being for my circadian rhythm to be in tune with the sun rising and setting. So, you know, obviously as the months progress into summer, the sun does rise early, like sort of catching myself waking at about 5.40 to 6 o'clock pretty consistently um, at the moment. And then obviously in winter, we're looking at closer around maybe even 8, 8.20. It's, it's, it's a big jump, but obviously, you know, it happens progressively. So that's all good. When I do start to regain a bit of consciousness, I tend to enjoy and just respect the first few moments. You know, that might range for 30 seconds, a minute, two minutes, whatever it is. I'm also very fortunate to have a meaty dog who loves pats in the morning, so that's always great to wake up to. I'm pretty sure my sisters can hear his tail wagging in the mornings, which probably isn't too pleasant for them, but nonetheless, a great sight to wake up to. Um, you know, I'll have a quick phone check. Um, as I mentioned earlier, like a lot of work goes on overseas overnight for me. So, you know, just a quick two minutes update gives me a bit of an idea of what the day ahead will look like. I'll then pretty soon after just get outside, get some light in. So even if there's no sun, it's great to get some photons in at that time of day. The sun's rays at that time has, you know, obviously the perfect amount of blue light, which is a stimuli to wake up. At this time, I'll most likely do just a bit of stretching and just opening the body. Uh, nothing too strenuous. It's just sort of get the blood flowing and more importantly, encouraging the cortisol release from the amygdala. So many of you may have heard the role the amygdala plays in fear, anxiety, threat detection. So there are many articles, podcasts, studies conducted for me to almost confirm that forward movement, which causes optic flow, so eye eyes moving side to side and morning sunlight dramatically decrease the activity of the amygdala and if you do have a dog next time there's a ray of sunshine coming in the window or there's you know a little sunspot in your house i could almost guarantee you that your dog will find that sunspot and sit in it in particular in the morning and furthermore, if you have a look at their behavior and, and notice the way they are when they are in the sun or they've just come out, there's this sense of just like peace and calmness. And, you know, as I mentioned before with Jax, he's a pretty active dog. But even if we don't go for a walk, you know, before, say, 1 p.m., and if there's sun, sufficient sun, he's content sleeping in the sun all day. So that makes my job a little bit easier. And actually, before I delve into more of the sort of light diet and light exposure, um, I did a podcast with Josh Lamaro, and um, that's Josh's specialty. So yeah, I would highly recommend listening to that and, and maybe have a look at his website and 
Instagram. There, there are all, all the infos on that podcast. But I just did want to touch on one part of light exposure, and and that's blue light. So, look, in short, if you want to be awake, we want to increase light exposure. If you want to be sleepy or before you're going to go to bed, you want to limit light exposure. So I'm sure most of you have come across or maybe own a, a pair of blue blocking glasses. Um, I do. I, I do occasionally chuck them on. Let's clarify, blue light is obviously naturally produced by the sun and in the morning there's more blue light than there is in the afternoon. So, you know, that obviously tells us that blue light's great for stimulation, great for waking up, but in terms of unwinding, that's not what we want. We want to avoid blue blue light. So, you know, blue blocking glasses will be fantastic for blocking out blue light uh, once the sun goes down. Personally, I prefer just to eliminate the blue light in my environment rather than chucking the glasses on. Uh, so, you know, you can change your globes, um, even just dimming your lights um, will go a long way. Another way to combat that is during the day, in particular, if you are working on the, on the computer or, or your phone, I would highly recommend to step away every, say, 45 minutes to an hour and just go um, get some natural lighting. It's, it's great to combat the blue light that's sort of building up in your body, sort of a bit of a release once you go and look at natural light and it's nothing too crazy, but yeah, I would recommend, like I spend quite a few hours a day on the desktop um, and I make a conscious effort to get up at least every hour. Um, so during this period as well, during the day, I'm, I'm chugging a fair bit of water, probably at least 600 mils, but probably closer to about a litre. Uh, so filtered water or I love my San Pellegrino. So the mineral water gets drunk as well. So you know, I can't emphasize how important hydration is. Like we can look at it from many different angles, but look at the end of the day, our brains and hearts are what, 70% water and, and the lungs even more so, maybe 80, 85%, um, you know, skin, muscles, we're looking at probably 60, 70%. So look, at the end of the day, if you're not hydrating, you're, you're really doing yourself a disservice. I prefer to drink mineral water than normal water just to, as a bit of top up, uh, make sure my minerals are up in my body as well. And just on that, I wanted to delve into a bit of caffeine intake. So I tend to delay caffeine intake probably for at least 90 minutes after I wake up. So we have uh, adenosine in our body. So a buildup of adenosine simply means sleepiness, or that's a signal that it gives us. And caffeine is a adenosine blocker. So when we wake up, our adenosine levels are low because they've been built up during the day. You could almost imagine it as a battery. You know, it gets all used up during the night. So when we wake up, it's, you know, on low battery. So by consuming caffeine when we wake up straight away, um, you're blocking the early charge that, that gets done at that time. So what happens is if you continue to do this, then less adenosine buildup in the body give you more sleepier effects. And this is commonly known as like 3 p.m. itis or the, the afternoon crash. So, you know, you get to that time of day and you're starting to feel a bit sleepy. So you're like, oh, okay, can you have another coffee or whatever it may be? 
uh, to keep the alertness awake. So by delaying the intake 90 minutes to two hours, you, you're allowing your adenosine levels to charge up to a sufficient level. And personally, I think that's great for me. Like I'm, I, for one, definitely feel better for it. Um, you know, sometimes I still will have two coffees a day, um, but that's purely because I love the taste and rather than like needing it to, to focus, if you will. At that time, which is probably around about 9, 9.30, around there, I'll hop onto the desktop and sort of plan out the day. If there's like urgent matters that need to be addressed, I'll, I'll get them done. I'll try and sort of smash them out um, at an adequate level. Um, if you know there's re- messages that need to be replied to, uh, that'll get done. Um, and you'll notice at this point, I still haven't eaten. So we're talking probably you know in summer, like three hours, four, maybe four hours before I eat. So, you know, fasting is increasing our adrenaline in the body, which obviously you don't want too much adrenaline build up, but you know, the right amount of adrenaline in the body, we're sort of looking at, at better focus. So I find that's actually a really productive time of day for me um, where I'm not like feeling hungry, but the, the stomach's empty and, and I'm just sort of zoned in on the computer and you know, sometimes that, that work block is, you know, only 20 minutes, sometimes it's 40 minutes, sometimes it's an hour. So just sort of take it as, as I come. Um, but once that work block is done, so let's say between 10.30 and midday, um, I will break the fast. Um, now, I tend to eat an abundance of protein and some fats at this time. Now, I'll get into the, the protein intake, but I just wanted to note one thing here. So when we eat carbs or starchy carbs, it releases serotonin. So serotonin is great for, for sleepiness. So I try and steer well clear of carbs at that time of day because that's not the signal that I want. I want to be alert. I want to be ready to work. I want to be able to do some exercise. Um, so yeah, I'll stay away from the carbs and I will tuck into... <laughs> well, realistically, probably three, four eggs, sometimes a steak, sometimes some fish, sometimes some chicken, definitely some broccoli, broccolini. So that's what I'm looking at. And it's always cooked in coconut oil or duck fat or just butter, get get the fats in. So I'll just delve into why I do that. So our muscle cells are primed to incorporate amino acids and synthesize muscle, uh, regardless if you're training or not, between 5 and 10 a.m. Now, I know I stretched that out to about 11 11 a.m., which isn't fantastic, but our circadian clock, um, like if we look at our muscle tissue, our circadian clock in our fibers, um, within those fibers, we have cells with nuclei that, that contain DNA. So the DNA then transcribes into RNA, which is then translated into proteins. So, sorry, if you followed that, you've done, you've done a pretty good job, but I'll quickly, I'll quickly run over that again. Fibers, in, you look close into the microscope, cells with nuclei. In those nuclei, we have DNA, which then is transcribed into RNA, and RNA, it translates to proteins. So these cells are under strong circadian rhythm. So each one of these has genetic expression that is different, color of our hair, color of our eyes, um, 
facial hair, you can go all the way down to your to your toes, you know, your nails, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So these all express at different times, at different times of the day, and at this time, this is prime time for protein synthesis. So getting in as much as you can in terms of protein at this time is fantastic. So I, what I also do during this time is if there's sufficient sun, I will eat out in the sun. Now, actually, in saying that, even if it's a pretty gloomy day, I still like to eat outside. Put the phone away, laptop away. Uh, it's just me, the food, and a bit of light. Doesn't end well for the food that's in front of me. But <laughs> the reason why I like to sit outside, so our hypothalamus, which is... Let's say the roof of our mouth just above that behind the frontal lobe. That is in charge of many things in our, in our complex organism. But just to name a few, sexual activity, body temperature, and controlling appetite or, or ceasing of eating. So we're going to focus on the appetite and, and ceasing of eating in this particular instance. And in that, we have two types of neurons. So POMC. It acts as a break on the appetite, and that is supercharged when we are getting sunlight. It's, it's, it's amplified. So in summer, you may notice that you have a lower appetite. You know, you want something light, fresh, you know, just quick and easy, if you will. And in winter, um, we want something cozy, you know, nice heavy dish that can sort of zonk us out a little bit. So that's the reason for that. And this, the other neuron is AGRP, and that stimulates feeding. So more sunlight means that our POMC is being more activated, which means that we sort of get the signal to our stomach that we don't need as much food. So once that's done, um, I'll tuck into a, my biggest work block of the day. You know, we want to really focus in at this time of day in order to do that, I have a standing desk. Um, I can also negate that into like a kneeling desk, if you will. During um, like my work time, I can still sort of keep an eye on my posture or look at my weight balance, look at my midline and my content with the way I'm standing. So it's actually quite a nice way to do that as well. Now, one of the pretty interesting ones that I came across, interesting studies that I came across was wakefulness and eyelid uh, movement. So if we're, if our eyelids are sort of like hooded and we're looking downwards, that's a signal to the brain that we want to start switching off or calming down or starting to relax. Now, opposite, if our eyelids are fully open and we're looking up, that's a signal to the brain that we want to be alert, we want to be awake. So having a desk that is at eye level or maybe slightly above eye level is ideal for that. So my personal preference is during this time, I'm also listening to uh, white noise. White noise is every sound wave that we can hear all mixed up, you know, in just randomized order. I don't listen to head. I don't put headphones in. I'm not a big fan of headphones, especially the the Bluetooth ones. So I'll just have it going on on like a sort of speaker system that I've got hooked up. And I'll just plug it in there. And also to note here is that these work blocks of you know laser focus they realistically only last sixty minutes, and that's that's pretty long. 
probably more more likely say 50 minutes sometimes i'll have to stick on the desk for longer two three hours but i definitely find that my focus wavers so every 60 minutes i'll go outside get some light uh might do like a bit of a brain break so you know you can do five things i can feel five things i can see five things i can hear uh, one thing that I can taste, uh, that's a nice way to sort of ground yourself back into the moment. But yeah, as I said, that, that time really does vary. But for the first 45, 50 minutes, I'm laser focused. There's, there's nothing that can distract me during that time. After that, I do tend to waver a little bit. The kitchen starts calling, Jack starts bothering me. But, you know, if I need to do work, obviously you stay there for a bit longer. So that's work block two, really, um, sort of out of the way there. And at this point, I will get some exercise in. So before I delve into exercise, I wanted to emphasize whatever exercise that you decide to do, you must make sure that the body has time to rest and regenerate. Josh Lomano actually gave me a really good example maybe a year or so ago back. Um, and it was, imagine if you have a ladder that is 10 stories high, right? You're starting on equal to level five on the ladder. When you train, someone's pulling you down on the ladder and you obviously want to get to level 10. That's your end goal. So you're training, training, training. You come down to level four. Someone's pulled you down to level four. If you don't rest and regenerate and give your ability, your body the ability to recover, you don't go back up to level five or level five and a half, let's say. You're going to stay at level four and then you train on top of that. You, you know, you, you train the next day, you go back down to level three. So you can imagine over a long period of time, if you're not allowing your body to rest and regenerate, you're never going to get to the top level. You know, if you think of the middle of the yin-yang, like that sort of S shape, right? So if you spend five years, you know, go, 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 work, travel, exercise, non-stop, well, <laughs> you know, the next five years might not be so productive. So, you know, the, it, where there's light, there has to be darkness. It just comes and goes together. And I, for one, have experienced that. I'm going to say between maybe 10 and 13 or maybe 10 and 14, I was playing footy and soccer, so training five nights a week. Sorry, training four nights a week, playing soccer in the morning at like 8 a.m. for Bulling Lions, and then I'd go to footy, playing for Ivano Junior Footy Club, and I'd play in the afternoon. And then once high school started, I dropped the soccer, um, and I would just play school footy and local footy. And obviously in the off-season or off-season, pre-season, um, I was doing little athletics as well. So I reckon during that six-year period, whatever it was, there wasn't one period of time for rest and regeneration. Um, and I paid for it. You know, I Well, when I was in year eight, so what are you, like 13, 14 in year eight, I had my first knee reconstruction. And after that, I genuinely don't think I was injury-free until, 
Well, until I started doing dynamic neuromuscular stabilization, and that was probably when I was maybe 22, I'm going to say, maybe around there. I can't, I can't quite remember. Anyway, but yeah, in between that period, like three knee recos, I honestly don't know how many soft tissue injuries, but if I'm to guesstimate, it would be six hamstring tears, two calves, groin. Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> I'm glad that's all past me. Actually, I might, I might add, I'm actually very thankful that all that stuff happened, but uh, that's chat for another time. So yeah, if I, if I look at my personal exercise, it's DNS and Tai Chi. So I've touched on DNS a bit in previous podcasts. Opened it up a fair bit with Mark McGrath on the podcast that we did about a month ago. So I train or I do DNS uh, for durability, longevity, and high endurance. That's sort of like the physical aspect of it. But if we look at the global aspect of it, you know, there's there's presence, observation, which lends itself to everything in life. So one of the major things that I wanted to bring up with the diaphragm. So, you know, obviously the diaphragm plays the major role in respiration. Um, but what's not really spoken about a whole lot is its role in our stabilization function. So I might actually even do a podcast on intra-abdominal pressure. Uh, the people that I've seen and done IAP with have been pretty amazed by it. But when they've gone off to do it themselves, they find it difficult to either focus or remember you know, what we went through. So I might actually do, do an episode just on that, but I'll get to that. So intra-abdominal pressure, simply put, is the steady state... Uh, concealed within the abdominal cavity so so we're looking at the relationship between the abdominal wall and respirations our belly movement should be independent of inhalation or exhalation so we're we're breathing into the belly the bottom of the belly like right above the pubis rather than than chest breathing or, or shallow breathing yeah, I do a fair bit of that like when we're in the DNS positions like that's one of the main focuses Combining that with Tai Chi and, and in short, just body flow, you know, move how I want to move really with no limitations, quite liberating, moving as I f- feel rather than thinking about things, taking away or having the, a clean slate of no thoughts, no expectations, identifying psychological barriers that I have instilled upon myself. I also use this part of the day to take Jacks for a walk. I am truly grateful for the amount of parks around where I live in Lower Templestowe. You know, range from like trail walks to bitumen walks, uh, a lot of off-lead dog areas. Uh, in saying that, to be honest, even when I go to on-lead dog areas, I don't think I've ever walk jacks on the lead he's he's pretty good at recall and steering clear of things yeah that's very good again if the sun's out like i'm, I'm outside training in the sun in the backyard or in the park try and get as much light exposure in as possible and i could honestly do a whole podcast on sauna and steam usage so i won't 
unpack that in totality right now, but you know the, the benefits to our cardiovascular system, respiratory system, in particular the sauna is incredible. It really is. And there's a lot of info out there on the growth hormones when we are in the sauna. So, you know, I would highly recommend, I know it's probably a little bit difficult at this point. Um, I'm very fortunate. I've got sauna and esteem at my place. So, you know, I'm in there pretty regularly. And personally, I love sweating. I have certainly noticed a pattern where if I don't sweat for like, let's say three, four days, feel like agitated almost like I feel like there's this build up of energy or something where I, I just I feel almost entrapped and sometimes when I rec- well when I recognize that uh, straight into the sauna that night or that day such a calming feeling afterwards it's it's truly incredible um, now obviously if I'm Getting into the sauna a fair bit, like have to replenish the body. Salt in my water or magnesium, obviously back to the mineral water as well. Uh, a handful of nuts. Sometimes I'll just munch on some veggies or like a little bit of fruit as well. I'm not massive on the fruit. Like, you know, don't get me wrong. I love watermelon, pineapple, mangoes in particular, but I won't necessarily crave or find myself um, looking for fruit, which is quite interesting. It's also an interesting time to reflect on the food intake up until that point of day. So we have to take into consideration the intake of you know proteins, carbs, and fats, as well as the timing will most certainly impact uh, my mood, energy, and productivity. So you know, a nice check in at that time. It's like how do I feel? Do I need this? Do I need that? Because uh, what we, well, what I've come to terms with is our gut is a second brain, really. Like it's super important, and the connection between our gut and our brain is is truly incredible. Um, if you actually jump onto Health Systems Go on Instagram, uh, Kirsten, who's a podiatrist, um, loves speaking about the the gut health. So someone I would recommend speaking to about that. Now, this is probably my favorite time of the day. (laughs) We're looking at potentially an Arvo nap. (laughs) Now, if you're someone who can nap uh, and sleep peacefully as well at nighttime, um, great. You know, if you can't, obviously don't do it. Uh, Ideally, you're you're napping for probably 20 minutes. Uh, Anything more than 90 minutes is probably stretching it in terms of your stages of sleep and you probably wake up feeling way more drowsy, potentially dehydrated. I tend to have a a quick little power nap at this point. It works quite well with me. Like when I wake up from these naps, I'm almost fully recharged. Uh, So I'll hop back on the desktop once I've woken up, get a bit of water in me, uh, maybe a handful of nuts, and then I'll get it back onto the laptop and I'm almost like laser focused again. Well, I am laser focused again. So I'd say the truck of my work gets done at this point. Now, I appreciate that some of you are probably thinking like, what the hell is this like daily schedule? You know, it's not a typical nine to five work schedule, which I've known from the get go would never suit the way that I operate. So, you know, really fortunate that the work that I'm doing allows me to live this schedule. 
So yeah, I, I did have that in mind as I was sort of talking about the naps. <laughs> that sort of brings me to, let's say around, I don't know, 4.30ish. Um, and I'll often hook into dinner at that time. Um, maybe maybe 5.30, the latest, I, I think I have dinner. Pretty simply, I eat what I enjoy for dinner. Now, I really enjoy carbs, uh, bread, pasta, rice, potatoes, give it to me all. I love it all. Butter as well, fantastic. Now, as I mentioned earlier on, ingesting starchy carbs will release serotonin in the body, which is obviously fantastic for sleep. Now, I will actually mention that serotonin is also good at keeping you awake. (laughs) Um, You know, it's often known as the happy hormone. You know, really, this is completely individual. You know, you may not feel like this after you eat carbs, but I know I definitely do. So I stick with that. Um, Now, before I did any research into that, I did notice a pattern where it was like, you know, I have some pasta for lunch or whatnot, and I feel really drowsy after it. And it just made sense to me. It's like, okay, if this food group is making me drowsy, it's sort of an indication to just eat it at night. I don't know. It just put two and two together. It sort of makes sense. And sure enough, I did some study and, and read some research papers and my thought was sort of, uh, I guess, peer reviewed by quite a few people that day. Yeah, that does make a lot of sense. That was a great um, revelation for me and sort of put my mind at ease where it's like it's fine to eat carbs at nighttime. Um, I know we live in a society that's sort of like carb phobic, if you will, but yeah, not me. Once dinner is wrapped up, I'll jump back on the desktop for the last sort of uh, work block. Fortunately enough, I can do a fair bit on my phone, so I'll put the desktop away and the laptop away after this work block um, and if there's anything that comes through from that moment to when I go to sleep I can I can do most of it on my on my phone if there's an emergency or something you know I'll hop back on but as a whole I try and steer clear of clear of the laptop after 6 7 p.m and it's actually perfect because I love to get the last say 20 minutes of sunlight in you know, obviously, when we embarking on summer, that comes at a later time, which is even better. You get more light. But uh, that last 20 minutes is so good for like an early onset of, of sleepiness. Um, so during that time, you know, I might take Jack's around the walk or, you know, just sit outside, take it all in. It's a nice time for, for relaxation or reflection. You know, you might want to read outside or, you know, whatever suits you. I think it's a a really great time, you know, to, to be outside that last 20 minutes of light. You know, that's the start of promoting sleep for me. If you want to increase that promotion, you know, we're looking at any sort of hot shower or bath or even sauna at this time is fantastic. So the purpose of that is to encourage the body temperature to keep falling. So when we are getting ready for sleep, our body temperature starts to drop a little bit. Um, and obviously during the day when we're alert, it's, it's at its highest. By increasing your environment temperature with the shower or bath or sauna, your core body temperature has the ability to, to lower at a, at a more rapid rate. At this time, like we're sort of looking at about 
8.30, 9-ish. Um, I try to not really be exposed to much light. Now, sometimes I do have to be on my phone working at this time, um, which is not ideal, but that's just what you got to do. Um, I feel like I balance out the blue light and exposure to light quite well during the day. But I will mention any exposure to bright lights between 10 p.m. and 4 a.m., will almost definitely disturb learning and memory. Uh, Most certainly it'll interrupt your immune immune system and and disrupt your mood as well. So, you know, try and negate negate away from the light as much as possible. Having your room dark, your room cool, and, you know, having some magnesium as well is is optimal for, for sleep. Sometimes I'll take magnesium maybe 30, 40 minutes before I go to bed. Um, and that works really well for me. So if, if work permits, I'm in bed and asleep by 9.30, Now, even this week that just passed, I think it was on a Thursday night, I was ready, ready to cock it, put the, was about to put the phone on charge, put it away, hop into bed, and I got a message from Sean, who's work, he's a co-founder of Crypto Rider, and he goes, hey, man, can you jump on live? We're doing a YouTube stream in an hour. Um, and I was like, uh, yeah, <laughs> I guess I can. You know, stayed up till I think the stream finished at maybe 12.30ish. I ended up going to sleep at like 1am. But again, my blinds are open and I have a pretty regular wake time. So that day I woke up, which was Friday. I woke up at, you know, same time, 5.40 or something. Wasn't much sleep and rest and regeneration, but, you know, that's sometimes you just got to cop those days. Uh, Yeah, I might wrap it up there, finish on a good note of sleep. Everyone loves sleep. So thanks for tuning in. Hopefully I'll be back sooner rather than later with a few guests that I've got in mind and also um, I might actually do that intra-abdominal pressure slash breathing podcast as well I think that might be might be well received so yeah thanks very much see you next time